All right, welcome back. This is episode 22, Malapert Smart Wrestling Podcast, baby. I'm your host, Kahan, and I got two guests with me today. Thank goodness. Nice to have someone to talk to. Brian is back. Brian, welcome. Thank you. You were good to, uh, be, good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, you were on our monumental 20th episode, our uh, landmark 20th episode. Now he's back for his uh, episode 22. We're excited to have you. I think it's going to be an interesting one. And uh, I also have Vlad, the wrestling expert, the mainstay here. He's been on all 22 <laughs> episodes. Incredible, incredible I, I, run. I hate, I hate that there's so much pressure on being the wrestling <laughs> expert. You know, so you, there's, I don't know. I mean, I guess I've become the wrestling expert somehow, but I don't know if I want that to be my moniker. Hey, that's brother, me. Just lean into anyways, it. Just lean into it, man. That's me putting Vlad uh, right, over. If I was Vlad, I'm Vlad's manager. That's why I'm trying to put you over and say, "Hey, <laughs> got it, this got is it, the man. got it." Well, you are a bit of an expert, man. I mean, I, I feel it. like you understand the business pretty well, and you've watched a lot of it over the years, and you've you've seen it all. So. <laughs> Sure, I've well, seen a lot of wrestling. I will admit to that. That much I can admit to. And I right. will agree to that. Well, before we get started, I want to jump right into this. I don't want to be like Jim Cornette and talk about a bunch of nonsense about our own lives and stuff. Like, I hope you guys are doing well, but if you're not, you know, don't tell me. I don't care. We got to talk wrestling here, okay? <laughs> Damn, Only. It's harsh. Oh. <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I'm right, kidding. Get it. I'm ca- I care. But we're, we're going to jump right into the wrestling because in case somebody actually clicks on this expecting wrestling, let's deliver. So we have done a lot of modern wrestling talk on this show. We usually review whatever happened during the week. And, you know, that's kind of a lot because there's a lot of wrestling these days. So we haven't really done a lot of classic wrestling talk like we originally wanted to when we started this uh, show. But the other day I was just laying in bed and my friend Vlad sends me a text. He goes, hey, who do you think was responsible for the death of WCW? And I'm like, damn, that's like a that's a tough question, man. And it's a good question. So I said, why don't we save it for the show? I've been thinking about it all week. Been ideas been bouncing around my head trying to think who was responsible for this whole thing, because. Uh, well, let's. I'll give a little bit of background, a little bit of history. I don't want to go through the history of everything because uh, if you're a huge wrestling fan, you probably know or you can look it up. But uh, not WCW took off in 96 when the NWO idea started, right? At Bash at the Beach. And then uh, the huge boom. If, if, if any of this is not the way you guys remember it, jump in and let me know. So I'm going to go over how they went up. They were ahead of WWF, and then they went down, and then the subsequent, you know, just disastrous ending. So the way I remember it, Bash at the Beach hit, NWO took off, Hogan joined Scott Hall and Nash. They looked really cool. They were just running rough shot, beating everybody up. Fall Brawl 96 came. Sting, uh, not trusted by his WCW mates, right? Because there was another Sting in the NWO. There was the NWO version. And they weren't sure if it was him or not. And he was offended that they even really would think that he would do this, right? So then that's when he walked out on him at Fall Brawl. He came in, he beat, took out the NWO, and uh, there was obviously an NWO sting there. He's like, look, is this enough proof for you? Is this enough evidence? Oh, actually, you know what? 
funnily enough, I was watching this earlier today. I have a, a little clip of of how this went down at, in the steel cage at War Games when Sting walked out on his, on his bandmates. And this kicked off probably the best storyline that WCW had, right? When Sting went up into the rafters and became the Crow Sting, the mysterious guy who would hang up in the rafters and he would terrorize the NWO from you know wherever he was up in the sky he was the only guy who would really terrorize them and put fear in their hearts and this was eric bischoff's magnus opus story really this this was the time period where they were beating the wwf this was cool this was really good but when it went to starcade obviously we know what happened they didn't put sting over the right way there was the fast three count this was like the beginning of the end, really. This was the end of 1997. So I remember this night. I remember this night at Starcade, and it was bad. Honestly, it didn't feel right. It so I'm not going to get too deep into how it happened, but the Wolfpack split off the NWO in 1998. You know, not as hot, not as hot an angle, but still, you know, a lot of ratings. Pretty good. And then 1999 came, Finger Poke of Doom, when they put... Uh, the Wolfpack and the NWO back together, and that kind of just is is the moment where people think that they really they really jumped the shark, and everyone jumped, like there was already good stuff on the other channel, on WWF, so most people just went over there. So then Bischoff got sent home because it just wasn't going well. The network hired Vince Russo. There's a lot of stuff in between here, you know. There's a lot of a lot of interim stuff. Vince Russo was put in charge. It didn't work out. It was a little psycho and crazy. Then they put Bischoff and Russo together, which was, uh, they just talked about this a lot in the new Dark Side of the Ring episode about how they didn't work well together. And then after that, it was just the last year. There was some Bret Hart before he got injured. A lot of Goldberg and Scott Steiner was the champion at the end. Booker T got a little run. But at that point, the damage had already been done. So I put a broad, broad, broad description of how everything went down, which ended in the sale of WCW to WWF in 2001. So this is really sad, right, Vlad? Like, we loved this company. It looked cool. It looked like it looked grand. It looked flashy. When the entrance came, it looked amazing. The, the, the entrance, the music that started the show, we absolutely, like, adored this time of our lives. And it was a really sad way to end it, to not only get sold, but sold to WWF. And they just com completely humiliated the product, didn't treat it like anything, really. It just, just they just killed it. And um, that was the end of an era for me and Vlad. I, I stopped watching for a long time. Really, like everything, when I, all my knowledge about that era, I went back and watched all those tapes again when I found, I got them a little later in life. But I stopped watching wrestling. To me, that was like kind of, the death knell. It was really sad for me. I was ten years old, you know. It. You, so you were ten. Oh, I was ten. I was ten. Nineteen ninety seven Starcade. I was ten years old. So, listen. I'll start with Vlad because Vlad posed the question, and then I'll go to Brian, and then I'll give my ideas of why I think WCW died. I mean, I have some, uh, some names I could throw out. Some some general names, you know, these might be in your answers, it might not be. Bischoff is a guy people blame a lot. The network, because they 
put Russo in charge, okay? Um, the Hogan, I guess you could throw Hogan in there just for creative and not really being being stubborn about creative at times, not letting them go in different directions. Um, WWE success, okay? That could be another reason. Maybe the WWE was just so good, Stone Cold and Vince and The Rock. And uh, the success itself, maybe the success itself led to the downfall in a way. So these are all just... I'm just throwing everything out there in a big, big brainstorm. This this is just like a really deep, crazy conversation to me that we're even having it. But I want to go to you guys, all right? I've spoken enough. I want to go to Vlad. Vlad, you asked the question, who was responsible for the death of WCW? You have the floor. Why don't you tell us your thoughts about it? Well, sure. But I also want to give it some context. Um, oh, yeah. Watching a podcast podcast with uh, Eric Bischoff. He has one of his, I guess he has one. And he had Nick Patrick on. And of course they were discussing the 97 Starcade, right? The big, the slow count that wasn't, or the fast count that wasn't a fast count that ended up being a regular count. There was a lot of back and forth of what was told to Nick Patrick. But I definitely believe Nick Patrick's side where he was told by Bischoff to give a normal count. And that's what he ended up doing because Bischoff, I mean, the, I'll get to the the main your main question of who's responsible for the death of WCW. But I just want to say that Bischoff is a known liar and he lies about everything that he says. Okay, so it, the whole thing—I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, 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 I said that. Oh, okay. Well, I don't remember that. <laughs> when it's convenient, he doesn't remember anything. When it's when, when it's convenient, he doesn't. Re- this is only maybe the biggest story angle in the history of wrestling, but he doesn't remember what he told the referee that day. Okay, whatever. I don't believe it. Okay. But anyways, um, as far as the overall question of who, there's so many people. I mean, it's, you can't really just put it on one person. Or There's so many little things that added up to the death of WCW. It started there in 97 Starcade because that was, at that time, probably the biggest show in, maybe in the history of wrestling. I mean, so many eyeballs were on that main event. They already been building this up for over a year with with Sting and and Hogan now. To have that type of letdown and to have such a screwy finish, it was just it, it was disheartening, right? Because and that was the start of their demise. There were many other reasons for their demise. Uh, you mentioned it. I mean, I mean, there's so many, like you said, there's so many little things that added up to big things. But Bischoff, not really. You know, being a, like a leader and really just being for Hogan, really just being Hogan's sidekick. I think that's a big thing. Um, obviously, the WWF becoming just, you know, bringing that whole attitude era and just like stone cold and that's, you know, the spark that that, you know, that would happen with that. That's one of the reasons, of course. But just a lot of poor booking choices, not building up young talent. Um, and then, of course, the final, yeah, the final nail in their coffin was Russo. But I think they were already on their way down before Russo. Like, Russo gets a lot of hate, and he should. He, he wrote a lot of bad stuff. He booked a lot of bad things. But WCW was in bad shape prior, even before Russo got there. He just was the final nail. Like, he, he if you want to say he killed it, yeah, he killed it. But it was already, like like dying you know 
But, you know, I don't want to rant and rave too long. I want Ryan to give his opinion, and maybe we can, you know, talk about it as we go. But, yeah, I'll let Brian yeah, give his point Yeah, let's get well. Brian in here. I'm 12 minutes into the show. I haven't gotten Brian involved yet. I'm a, I'm a terrible host. But, Brian, no, please. No, no, you, you're a great host. You're a great you host. You have the floor. Please. Uh, so I, I, I will say, full disclosure, like, I mean, so Kahan and, and Vlad, like, you guys were watching WCW in real time as this was happening. Yeah. I got into wrestling. I think I said this the last time I was on the show. Like, I, I didn't get into wrestling until, like, 97. And I was definitely, when, and when I did, I was definitely much more watching the WWF at the time because of The Rock. You know, he got me involved. But, like, I'm watching with my, my friend. We're in the dorms, and they would always, you know, go back from, like, Raw to Nitro during the commercial breaks and everything. But for me, I was always, like, that WWF guy. It wasn't until I got older and I, I kind of went back and I, you know, watched you know old episodes of nitro i read a lot about what happened history you know the history of wcw and the rise and their fall um but if you're asking like who's the guy that's responsible i think ultimately it is this guy jamie kellner who was the executive who was put in charge of tnt this was after i think it was during the AOL, because AOL purchased TNT, there's some some merger that happened. But Jamie right. Kellner was the executive. <laughs> I'm Warner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Jamie Kellner was the executive who stepped in and was like, you know what? I don't want wrestling on the network anymore. And and he and and yes, you, everything Vlad said that you said is true. Um, you know, by this by the time that Kellner was involved, their ratings were starting to decline. They were losing now to WWF, but they still were putting up good numbers, especially for that time, even though they were losing to WWF. But it was Jamie Kellner who made the decision to just cut bait. It's like, I don't want pro wrestling on TNT. Uh, I think it's, I think his whole thing was it's too low brow for what he had envisioned for the network moving forward. So he is the one that is responsible. Uh, taking him out of the equation, I think, you know, Bischoff and Russo probably made that decision a lot easier for him because the show definitely has started to decline. And ultimately, I mean, taking the, you know, the, you know, the television execs out of it, like a wrestling promotion lives and dies by its creative. And when that starts to falter, cracks start the show. And again, you know, you make it easy for somebody who takes over a network who's not a fan of pro wrestling anyway and has seen where they were and what they're doing now. And, and again, even back then, when they were losing to WWF, I mean, they were still, they still had viewers. Uh, but, you know, the poor creative can lead to a loss of viewership. I mean, that's it's just plain as simple as, as that. And I know, you know, Russo gets a lot of, the, a lot of hate online for a lot of stuff that he says. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, I, although I, I, I was not watching WCW with him in charge in real time, but I definitely watched a lot of his run when he was in TNA. And I was not a fan of the shows when he was involved. Uh, and I know he wasn't, you know, he, a lot of his acclaim comes from his run with, uh, with Vince and WWF before he made the run or the split to a WCW. And I think I think Vince Russo is a guy that comes up with a lot of ideas, 
And I think the success that he had in WWF was in large part because he had ideas, but they were being filtered. And, and I'm not the first person to say this, like it's been reported, but his ideas were filtered through Vince and through other people within that company. And so they would take the best parts of whatever Russo wanted to do, but he wasn't given the keys to the store where it's like, you can just do whatever the hell you want to do. And when he went to WCW, you know, he was afforded that latitude. And he, I think he just creatively, he just made a lot of, a lot of poor mistakes. Um, and the NWO, um, for as popular as it was, because that was the thing that kickstarted WCW, it was one of the, it was a situation where, and we've seen this in wrestling, and, and, I, and I'm hoping that this is not a situation that we see with the WWE now, with the bloodline, where it's like you have this really hot angle in this story, but you need to know the destination of what you're driving towards. And when it came to the NWO, it seemed like there was no destination. It was, this is hot. You know, we've got Hogan, we've got Nash, we've got uh, Hall. We're adding all these new members. And for a long time, end up the NWO angle, that storyline was smoking hot. I still see folks walking, you know, in these streets, you know, rocking the NWO t-shirts. But it gets to a point where it starts to become this diluted thing where, Vlad, you mentioned, like, the introduction of the Wolf Pack. And, and now you've got these two different NWO factions. And it started to water the whole thing down to the point where everybody was in NWO, Virgil, Ted DiBiase, <laughs> like he had all these cats that were a part of this faction and they just kept beating everybody. And it was like, well, you're not building anybody up. This thing has been going on for a while now. Like there, there seems to be no end game in place and there wasn't. And I think that led to a lot of, I mean, it's, it led to a lot of the young talent trying to seek their way out. I mean, the radicals, when they left, you know, uh, Benoit, Guerrero, uh, uh, Malenko, Perry Saturn, like those guys just bolted. Chris Jericho, they made this mass exodus because, you know, the powers and the powers that be, and yeah, you mentioned Hulk Hogan because he, he had creative control over his character and everything. He just seemed unwilling to allow for these, you know, younger talents to elevate into a higher position. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm rambling at this point now, but I think, yeah, I, I agree, <laughs> Vlad, with everything you said. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it was this guy, Jamie Kellner, who came in. He was like, no, I want this off the network. And that was it. Well, at least Brian I think to gave a name. Yeah. <laughs> he, he gave a no. name. I, I like that. I like that you you – pointed it at one guy hey let's go blame this guy because uh, i mean have you have you have you not have you never heard of jamie kellner because like because no, like I, I said I, I i've read a lot of stuff about you know uh like books that have been written about wcw and how hot it was and and just as just as quickly as they became the number one wrestling promotion in america it was like their crash was equally as fast because it was just like whoa what yeah. the fuck happened but, but yeah, this guy, Jamie, uh, he was always, you know, the guy that was like, yeah, I just don't want well, for wrestling. I knew, I knew somebody was maybe going to say that. Um, but I disagree, Brian. I will have to disagree. I, I'm not going to give him all the blame. Vlad, were you going to say something before? I was just going to say to Brian's point, would he have been so inclined to not want wrestling if they weren't already, like, a if they weren't a, ship. Yes, if they weren't a bad show. Yeah, I if guess they that's were what making, I was If they were say. making money, money hand over fist like they were doing from 96 to 98, 
would he be no no executive and the world would have let him take wrestling off if they were making the type of money that they were making for those two years that they were hot. Nobody would have said, well, yeah, you don't like wrestling, but uh, too bad. It's, we're, we're making so much money with this, we can't take it out there. But once they started losing money, once it became so obvious that they were losing money, yes, it, would, it became a much easier proposition. Yeah, let's get wrestling out there. Okay. But but yes, the merger did, was a, it did play a part. I'm not going to say it didn't. I can't say it didn't for sure, but if they weren't already a sinking ship, I don't think they would have been able to still pull it off there. With the numbers that they were getting, with the money everybody was making, no, no, they couldn't. They couldn't have. From a business standpoint, they couldn't have. You know, I th- that's I think the point I'd make. I, 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 I would just say, because yes, WCW, they were they made they were profitable for a couple of years, and then those profits, you know, they were losing money at a time. And I think, you know, when it comes right. to these executives, like right. it's, 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 it's no, it's, it's akin to anytime any kind of merger happens where one company takes over the other, you've got new management in place. It is their prerogative. Like if, they, if, they, if this is not what we see is right for what, what the company, the network, yes. Even if the, even if the, even if the thing was making money. And like I said, I had mentioned like their viewers, their, their numbers, their viewership was still good even if they were losing to wwf but ultimately it is that guy in charge he was just like i just don't this is not the vision that i have for this network pro we're done with pro wrestling and yes they do have that power and that latitude uh because they i mean the buck stops with them ultimately you know also one point i would make about that is that just because tnt didn't want WCW on the air doesn't mean it had to die. Like, it doesn't mean it had to, like, completely fucking disappear off the face of the earth. Like, the fact that it got sold to the WWF was the reason it's gone, because they don't want WCW around anymore. They, that's Vince's, like, greatest achievement. I killed WCW. It was the last one he killed, right? The last territory, the, the remains of the National Wrestling Alliance. So if someone else bought it or if someone else had a, a deal where they could have figured out some way to, to – I mean, there was no streaming back then, or maybe someone could have, like, wanted to – sell VHS tapes. I don't know. Somebody could have kept it alive if they really wanted to, but nobody nobody well, wanted Bischoff to put it. A... Bischoff tried. Bischoff you tried. You that story. That's true, yes. He tried to to, 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 to purchase the, the IP and, and get ownership of WCW, and he had people lined up to support him, but it, it fell through because once TNT kicked him off the network, it was like, well, you have no value now. It's... If you're not on television, especially back then when we when they, there was no streaming, it's like there's no the value of owning a pro wrestling promotion, especially back then, it lies in the 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 reach that you have with your TV partner. And once that's gone, it's like, well, I mean, what am I buying here? Like, <laughs> it's like they don't they don't want you, and now who who is? You know, and I think that's what caused that purchase to fall through. And that's when Vince was able to swoop in and basically just, I mean, he bought WCW almost like as if it was that at a garage sale. He got it for so cheap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The library, the IP, everything. And it was was like 4 million or something, something ridiculous. Yes. I, I can't believe nobody could think this is profitable just because there's no network. Like, 
TNA didn't have a network when they started. Somebody could have had some balls and said, hey, this is a brand name, WCW. This is, that's a great, those three letters are great. That's just the way they roll off the tongue, WCW, WCW. Dude, the brand was worth more than I think it just being on a network. They could have just made a house show and sold tickets. They didn't have to no, pick up the contracts. That's, that's, the network not, picked not... up. The that's network that's, picked that's, up the contract. They didn't have to pay all those millions of dollars of contracts, whoever bought the company. But I'm just surprised that on that cheap, on that cheap a number, nobody took a chance on it. Nobody. Well, I'm, actually, I, what I'm actually more surprised about, not so much that it didn't become like, why didn't any other network want to try to get into the wrestling game? You know, I mean, maybe not Turner, but there were plenty of other networks. Or maybe there weren't. That's, I don't even know. But there were a lot of networks. But there were some definitely that maybe could have taken a chance, especially considering that they were still doing decent numbers even towards the end. I mean, obviously not WWF numbers, but... Yeah. But the thing uh, is, like, if there, if there was a network... Better ratings than most other... Yeah. If, if there was a network that wanted them back then, and, the, and, yeah. and to see how hard Eric Bischoff was trying to keep it alive, someone would have been, but no one did. No one did. And I'm looking yeah. at it right here, and it looks like, so WCW sold to Vince for $2.5 million. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Two and a half million. Oh, wow. I thought it was... Well, the, the tape library was a million and a half or something like that. It all added up to like four something. But if you guys don't mind, I'll oh, give my... okay. Because I remember seeing them... Yeah, I'll you're give right. my uh, answer. 1.7 was spent for the library. So yeah, round up, you know, round up four million dollars, and he got all of WCW. So crazy. Well, listen. So I'll give my answer as to who was responsible for the death of WCW. You guys ready for it? I'll give a name. One name. One name. Okay. Wow. One name. Eric Bischoff. I'll say it. Oh yeah. I'll say it's completely yeah. Eric Bischoff's fault, one hundred percent. Because Eric Bischoff. I'll put it this way. I'll make an analogy. Eric Bischoff is the guy that is the life of the party he's cool as hell okay he's like he gets everyone he's like hey everyone let's go out we're gonna go out to to the bar it's gonna be really fun and everyone's like yeah this guy's cool let's go along with it let's go do it and the night is going great fantastic but then at the end of the night he blacks out and pukes himself and shits himself and says all sorts of horrible things to everybody and the night was ruined completely ruined everyone hates this guy now so it's like okay yes he did good to start it off and set it off amazing right he still celebrates it his podcast is called 83 weeks it's his claim to fame that he pushed ahead of wwe for a little while with that sting hogan angle pretty much honestly that's the main reason they were winning in the ratings and after that he had nothing he they and he was completely in charge of creative at that time at that crucial period where so the Starcade thing happened, the split off of the Wolfpack, and all that. That was where they needed to like book correctly. They they had to keep it going. And to what Vlad was saying earlier, if they kept it going, if it was still going nose to nose with the WWF or going pretty well, not even nose to nose, just like solid. I don't think it would have died either. I think either somebody would have bought it or the network would have, like like Vlad said, hey, this is making us money and people are interested in this. This is buzz. There was no buzz. Not only was there no buzz, it was a joke, okay? 
And yes, I will give a special shout out to whoever was at the network who decided to hire Vince Russo, because I think he was kind of blinded by the fact that pe people just spit out his name as the guy who was like, oh, this was the guy who was creative for WWF when uh, they had their big boom. But really, it was Stone Cold and Vince. All the other storylines on Raw, did anyone really care about? I was really just like pushing through them just to see what happened with Stone Cold and Vince. Like I didn't care about Mark Henry and Mae Young or Val Venus, whatever he was doing, or the Godfather coming out or whatever else. Uh, the what was, what was the boxing tournament they had? I don't know. You know, he he just yeah. They should have never hired Russo. And that was all. Yeah, that was a continuation of Bischoff's failure. Was just adding another failure on top of it. Just like sent people away in droves after that. And it was too late to recover at that point. At that point, they just lost a lot of viewership. And um, yeah, it was easy for them to let it go because they had lost so, such a large chunk of the audience that it didn't really matter if they just didn't have it on the air anymore. So I'm gonna go ahead and blame. Bischoff. I think he had it was a tough job. It was a tough job, but he had the chance. He had everything, the whole world in the palm of his hands right there. Perfect. All the superstars, everything. All he had to do was just keep it going like in a standard traditional wrestling way. Like Vlad was saying, choose a young guy, build him up little by little, at least throw in what throw in an Eddie Guerrero, not saying everybody, not all the youngsters all at once, like they tried to do at some point. But you know, there was some guys who obviously deserved it and could have been worked in there. And um, uh, I guess that's where I'll point to I'll point to that by the time they put Bischoff and Russo back together or together to try to save the ship. It was already like pretty much done. And then by the end, no one was really around Kevin Nash, Hogan, they were not really, I don't know what they were doing, to be honest, getting paid to stay at home. And I think Scott Steiner was the champion leading up to the end. And then Booker T beat him on the last day to take the title to WWF. And that was the end. That was the end of our dream. And I was very loyal to, to WCW. I very much liked them more than WWF. I, got, I didn't like The Rock. <laughs> But, sorry Brian but I, I didn't like him like I, I thought he was too repetitive and uh, I just like I heard one promo heard them all to me like they all sounded the same to me he said the exact same things so, like I just wasn't into it my little sister loved him you know she loved you know like she wants I'm sure she would marry anyone who looked like the rock you know but uh, <laughs> I was not enamored with the rock and uh, stone stone cold um, was like you know when he started getting injured, he wasn't really there as much towards the end of his career. But um, I was very loyal to WCW. This still is like a pain in my heart. There's like a hole in my heart. You know, I, I get the feeling sometimes like I, if if like the the copyright could run out and they and they not renew it, that Tony Khan could steal it away. What do you think, Brian? If he could make the name of AW WCW, would he and should he do it? All right, so a, a couple things, a couple things. You know, you <laughs> mentioning Eric Bischoff. So many things. <laughs> I mean, we, myself and Vlad, both mentioned Bischoff and Russo. Yeah. As far yeah. as being, like, obviously there was a creative that, you know, led to the loss of viewers. So we all are in agreement on that. Like, you know, as hot as Bischoff's start was, he wasn't able to maintain it. It's hard, like you said. I mean, running, a, you know, doing creative in any endeavor 
is a tough thing, especially when you've got to do it, you know, every single freaking week with multiple shows without any off seasons. It's hard. So, yeah, he, the creative, cratered a lot of that company. But I will still point to the fact that it was ultimately Jamie who is, he was the one that put the stamp to it. It was like, you're off. We don't want you. Uh, and I'm and I'm seeing here, so in 2001, uh, WCW, so it says by 2001, they, WCW had lost like roughly $60 million the previous year from their hikes. And again, it goes back to what we're all, we're all in agreement of, where it's like poor creative led to a loss of revenue. It led to a bleeding of viewership. And you bring in a guy, this new executive, who's like, hey, I've got grand ideas for what I can do with TNT. And you've given me all the reasons to just cut bait on a thing that I already want to cut bait with. And yes, had they had they been profitable and had they maintained a certain level of viewers, it would have definitely made that decision a lot more difficult for him. But like I said, the poor creative made it easy. And it was like, your guys are off. We don't care. Um, and what was the other thing I was going to say? Because you guys said a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I said the hypothetical. If AEW could legally oh, change yeah. the name to WCW, would they That's- do it and should they do it? I will just let you know right now that is not a hypothetical. That is just a a non-starter at large. <laughs> WWE owns it, and unless you know they they being WWE chooses to sell to anybody, uh, it's going to stay with them in perpetuity because they own it. And I can hazard a guess is to say that they are not going to sell the WCW IP to their competitors. I know, I know. It's just and a I, dream scenario, a dream, a dream I, I, idea. And I don't. And, and it, it, I, I knew because we had talked to the Bard. I knew you were a fan of WCW. I didn't realize until now, with your impassioned, uh, uh, not speech, but your impassioned words about your love for WCW, as someone who is not that. I look at WCW, like those words, those three letters to me are a bad IP. Mm. It's a bad brand. Like I don't look at WCW with fondness. I look, I, when I, when I think WCW, I think of their highs that they had, but I'm more in my mind, just thinking about how they completely nerfed and effed everything up. Um, it has very little value to me personally, outside of just their historical significance. But like, yeah, in the same way, honestly, that, you know, those three letters, TNA. I think of TNA, and I just think of a not good promotion for a lot of its run. Um, not talking about the current era impact, because I know it's a completely different animal, different people. Everybody that was involved in those TNA years, Russo and Bischoff included, are no longer there, and impact is a much better show. But, yeah, there's just no value. For me, it's like I, it's almost like the Clippers. Like, there's no value in the Clippers. There's no value in WCW. <laughs> there's no value in, the, in TNA. It's like that. a shot at the Clippers there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I say that, you know, yes, I'm a Laker fan, and I'm not, I'm not trying to just talk shit about the Clippers, but I'm just saying, like, that is an organization that is just – their history is known for losing. They're not a winning organization. WCW was not a winning organization. TNA was not a winning organization. 
And so, but the Clippers sold for two billion because it is worth something. And I think no, 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 I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying it, it has no value. I'm just saying within the mind's eye in the the zeitgeist of like pop culture, like when people think Clippers, like what do they think? Uh, they think their previous owner and all the shit he got himself into losing, historically just losing and not winning anything. And I kind of but, I, I look at WCW. WCW wasn't the Clippers, bro. I mean, they were like, they were mega. They were they were big time. They were for until, three weeks. Until for the, three weeks. No, well, even before that, they weren't like they were they were the second biggest promote. They weren't like you know ECW or some indie show. Right. It was it was a grand show. It was it it got yeah, big. Cr- but you but you said it. They were the second biggest promotion. The Clippers. Yeah are the second biggest basketball team in L.A. Who's number one? The Lakers. Yes, that's true. Win or that's lose. That's true. Even if the Lakers have a shitty season, which we've had plenty of those in our recent uh, history, and the Clippers have had better seasons than us, have actually beaten us. Like they, They're like on some crazy freaking run where they've beaten us all these like double-digit times. But yet and still, who does everybody talk about? The Lakers. But that, that, that last... doesn't mean the Clippers shouldn't exist. <laughs> I'm not saying they shouldn't exist. I'm not saying they, should, they shouldn't exist. But I'm. But they do exist, and WCW does not. Is the point? You know what I mean? God, <laughs> this conversation hurts. No, but I've I've come to terms with it. When it really happened, I was really really upset about it at the time. 2000. When I heard Vince spot, I was I couldn't even. If someone mentioned wrestling to me, I'd vomit for like years. But you know, I'm I'm a lot better now. But anyways, Vlad, you look like you're itching to say something. <laughs> If, if no, well, I just want to. I just want to say, as far as how good WCW was, from for a two year stretch, it was the best wrestling show of all of time. It was oh. episode, the best episode, the best episodic television show of all time. Yeah. It was incredible. It was it had the fun. level they were at has not been touched by any company, even even during the Attitude Era. Uh, yeah, Austin stuff was great, but what about the rest of the show? Like Kahan mentioned, there was a lot of the horsemen that was not so good. There was so much good stuff in WCW for a two year stretch. So much good stuff that it's not like history is obviously written by the winners, and WWF will say what they will say in their documentaries. But people that watched and know know that WCW was a superior show for at least a two year stretch. And that was the best two years of wrestling I've ever seen. So, I mean, that's why I think we're having this conversation because it does hurt. <laughs> it hurts to discuss because of how good it was <laughs> and then how they fell apart. But I also want to mention one other, th- one other reason that they fell apart real quick, and I, which I didn't mention the first time. I think guaranteed money to all these older wrestlers that did not give them any motivation to then – do anything basically yeah so i mean that goes back to uh, that, uh, i mean all these guys had guaranteed money they could do whatever they want it wasn't that it wasn't bishop's money so he just gave out crazy contracts um and that really helped put you know so you know it helped it really stomped out any type of creative that you could have in Bischoff's defense, he's not a booker. I mean, he's a like he's the pre- he was the president of the net, like the president of WCW, but he's not really like an old school booker. He's not Dusty Rhodes. He's not you know Ole Anderson. He's not somebody that can book. He had Kevin Sullivan do some of his booking, 
but he had some grand ideas probably that were his, but he wasn't a booker. So, I mean, you can't put all the fault on the creative for him, but you could fault him, but I do fault him, is the crazy money that he gave to all these older wrestlers and then they didn't have any motivation to do what needed to be done to get younger guys over because why should they? I have this guaranteed money. It's, it's, it's basically as good as gold. It's Turner, you know? So what's my motivation for putting Eddie Guerrero over? What's my motivation for putting Chris Jericho over? What's my motivation for putting Benoit over or whoever Booker T. I mean, there's so many, there were so many good wrestlers that started in WCW or got, or if they didn't start in WCW, at least got some, um, their first look at in the national spotlight in WCW, I should say. Maybe they started elsewhere, obviously, you know, Mexico, ECW, wherever else they came, Japan, whatever have you. But for a stretch, it was incredible. But, you know, it just hurts to discuss because there, there are things that could have been done, but it was just the fact that it wasn't Bischoff's money and he was just giving money hand over fist to all these guys that was really also one of the main reasons that that it fell apart as well because there was just so much money given and not enough money coming back at the end yeah uh, go ahead i i I, yeah i think those two things are are not mutually exclusive i think one of the best things that came out of wcw and specifically what bishop did for the industry was the guarantee contracts these guys should be getting guaranteed money. That in and of itself doesn't lead to their apathy. I think that is, right, the apathy that you described comes from a lack of leadership on the part of yeah. Bischoff and on the part of management to say, look, yes, we've, we're, we're giving you this guaranteed money, but this is what we expect of you. Bischoff didn't do that. He basically let the kids run the asylum or the inmates run the asylum. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that the guarantee contracts, it, it started a thing in pro wrestling that WWE does now, AEW does now, and I think that is a good thing. These men and women who go in there busting their ass, uh, night in and night out, I don't, whether you're on the top of the card or you're opening the show, in the mid, whatever, they are getting now guaranteed money that is front-facing, that isn't reliant on, oh, well, you know, the, the, the gate was a little, little light this week, so, you know, we're only going to give you this amount of money. I think that was a good thing for the industry writ large. Uh, another, another compliment that I will give to WCW, because, I mean, Vlad, although I, I was not watching WCW at the time, everything you said about that two-year stretch, about how great the shows were, is everything that I've heard, too. Uh, that... In terms of just, I mean, because I give Bischoff credit for introducing, well, not introducing, but for giving uh, the cruiserweights such a platform on a national stage. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Ray Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Benoit, Malenko, like WWF, they weren't doing that at the time. And you're getting all this, like, at the time, like state-of-the-art athletic wrestling matches that you could only get by watching WCW. So I give Bischoff that credit. I mean, and yeah, ultimately, he basically just kind of saw them where they were and didn't really see the value in them to move them up the card, which is the negative. But I will say he gave a lot of these cats a start on a national stage to show how great they could be. Uh, and then ultimately let them walk and then go to the competition and become even bigger stars. But, uh, but yeah, I was just I, – I think the contract issue and the – lack of leadership are two separate things 
Um, in my in my opinion, I think I, I like the fact that you know wrestlers in the big major companies now are guaranteed a certain level of income for what they do. Just being fans of their work and knowing, I mean, every time you go into a ring, you just never know what might happen. You know, you just don't. You know, uh, this is true. Yeah. So. Well, now nowadays, even in sports, guaranteed contracts, it's a it's a it's like a coin flip. You're not really sure whether they're going to be responsible and stay in shape and, you know, try to work out the way they were doing when they were hungry. But uh, for some guys at the time, like Scott Hall, it, it kind of seemed like a bad thing because these were this era of wrestling that's been highly publicized, how people were, how they were, a lot of them were, had drug problems or abused Scott Hall, in Scott Hall's case, alcohol, you know, so he had a bunch of guaranteed money, didn't really even have to work. Why not get drunk? Right. So, the time period before drug testing and all this stuff so it was it was a little dangerous it was a little new so i think as to vlad's point i think and particularly in wcw here it was like giving these people kind of like too much money all at once where it's like dude we used to have to work for this now we just fucking have it like and, yeah but, uh, these are, but we're talking about these are grown-ass men these yeah. are grown-ass men who are making their own poor choices and decisions and again this is a management thing you know if and I know that I mean if Bischoff knew that that Hall was having substance abuse problems or or anybody I mean, I'm using Hall because you mentioned him like that's on him to be a fucking leader and say bro I can't put you out in front of those cameras you're a little tuned up right now and for this to continue here you need to do this that and the other it's akin to like honestly I mean and I, I hate to say, I mean, because I'm rooting for this company, but it's 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 akin to like the situation that's going on in AEW right now, where it's like Tony Khan, you need to get your house in order, you need to sort this shit out and get your house in order. It is the boss's responsibility to make sure that their talent are doing what they need to do, and to not have. And again, another thing, like any sort of you know things in their contracts where they're given creative control over their narrative. It's like no. I'm paying you this money. I'm the boss. You do what I say type of thing. Eric Bischoff, he wasn't doing that. It seems like Tony Khan is being lax in that area right now with certain people. Where you, but it, but it's, 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 up, it's up to the person in charge. There's talent, and then there's the execs. You know what I mean? The buck stops with them. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, that's uh, that was like a 40 minute conversation. What do you think? We should probably just wrap it up. <laughs> Let's move along. That was good, though. Yeah. Actually, I, unless anyone has anything they want to say. I do. Um, I do. Uh, Vlad, what are you drinking right there? What is that? <laughs> Oh, that is a Peroni. Peroni, that's what I thought beer. it was. Yeah, I like a Peroni. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. Yeah, I like those a lot. All right, right. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I actually, I recognize that drink. I know. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I would have one too, but I, I gotta, I gotta get through this show. I don't want to fall asleep while I'm in the middle. Of, like, and the next, well, yeah. and the next topic. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna throw up from one beer. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my issue, Vlad, as you know, is that I, I. I have uh, a hard time just doing one beer. One beer. Yeah. yeah. So if, once right. I start That's rolling, right. you know, it's a countdown. Yeah. To, uh... It becomes a whole six, becomes a whole six pack. Yeah, I got you. You get that snowball rolling down. <laughs> well, anyways, 
let's move on to some modern wrestling for the week. Um, we only have Raw and Dynamite because last week we did, me and Vlad did a review of uh, Collision and SmackDown from last week. So, do you guys not do NXT at all, ever? No, we don't really. We we do it a little bit when some of the main roster guys go down there, and uh, like I I've covered some of Dominic Mysterio's run down there, but. No, I haven't really, honestly. I mean, I'm keeping an eye on, uh, what's her name? The Rock's daughter? The Schism? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I haven't really seen her do anything physical yet. Um, yeah, she, she's wrestled one match or two. Has she? I, yeah. I, I think, I, I, only, I only bring it up because, you, you know, I'm a guest here. You guys do this every Friday. You know, you're going to get, if you're looking for content, you got to watch NXT. Oh, we have too that, much content. That's our problem. Uh, yeah, I, 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 know, I know, I know. But NXT, NXT is like a windfall of just stuff to talk about. I know. Uh, I tried and... to watch it this week. I had it on. I fell asleep while Mustafa Ali was just telling something. I think he wants to t fight Dominic, right? Is that what's going on? He wants the North yeah, American he, he, title? He, he, it's so wacky. It's like, and I, and, and I say, like, in, I look forward to NXT every week. That's probably the one show I look forward to the most because of how just wacky it is. I mean, you'll you'll have some, you'll have, it's the only show where you'll get a match that is just like fucking amazing. And then the next match will be obviously these, you know, young cats, they're in developmental, trying to figure shit out where it's like, ugh. But it's like these peaks and valleys of a show that I just find, I'm just fascinated by NXT every week. Uh, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of just like, what the fuck was that? It's it's like a shoot version of Glow. <laughs> this is like yeah. the best way to describe it. No, no, no. I well, I like it. I like NXT personally. I I it was probably better than Dynamite this week, which as we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if we just uh, we we cut some topics. Unfortunately, when we come to uh, I get it. I get it. It's, a lot, it's a lot of wrestling. It's yeah. a lot of wrestling. So I, a, I, I mean, it. I would I like to talk about Ring of Honor. Like, you know, a, a show I really like is Ring of Honor on Honor Club on Thursdays. I don't know if you guys have caught any of it, but I'm no. a I'm no. a huge <laughs> fan. I really, no. I really like it. I really like it. Like, um, there's like you said, there's a lot of wrestlers that you're not really going to see a lot sometimes you know I, I like the job wrestlers who get a chance once in a while to, to do something or uh but i i can't i don't have the time honestly I, i'll quit my well, job i'll just say real quick and i'll uh, i'll talk about nxt and ring of honor <laughs> no i was gonna say real quick obviously i care about the big picture like i care what happens with Braun breaker and how his development is going and if if and when he'll, he'll get called up and what they'll do with him because obviously I'm kind of interested in that because I think he could be a legit star based on what I've seen of him. I mean, his look, his size, I mean, maybe the promo could, I don't know. I think what I've seen is solid, not great, but not bad, but you know, neither Steiner brother was, well, actually later on, Scott became a crazy promo. Scott was a great promo. Yeah. Later on, he became a great promo, but he wasn't for a lot of his career towards like, yeah, towards the end of WCW into TNA, he became a good promo. But I think Braun Breaker um, should be up already. That's why I'm kind of like not really wanting to yeah. pay attention to this. I'm like, oh, well, they just don't have well, an idea from right now or what? Like just, it's, I mean, he, he's lauded as like a future world champion. 
um, which a lot, I mean, so, yeah. a lot of people are. Austin Theory is. Doesn't mean they're going to be champion anytime soon. But, I mean, why not just bring someone up hot once in a while and just be like, I, you know, there, I watched that NXT match where he fought Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight title. Obviously, that, that popped a rating. A lot of people tuned in for that. And I thought it would have been an outrageous idea if they let Braun Breaker win the World Heavyweight title on NXT. I would be like, man, what fucking better way to get, bring him up to the main roster? Shows up with the world title and did it in at the Performance Center in Orlando. But that wasn't where they were going. I mean, it was a decent rub. That was it. But I think there's nothing wrong with Braun Breaker. I don't know why he's on NXT, personally. I think they should say Dragunov, too. Bring him up. Bring him up, baby. Is- the, the the only thing I would say, because I agree, I mean, Ilya Dragunov, Braun Breaker, I think are great. I mean, Braun Breaker in particular, I mean, Ilya Dragunov has been doing this for years, and like anybody who follows independent wrestling or whatever knows how great he is. Braun Breaker is so new to this and is so good at this at such a early age. And Vlad, you were you know you had mentioned his promos. He's not a bad promo <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. He, and now yeah. that he's turned heel, he's actually. He just seems much more confident and assertive in how he presents himself. And in the ring, I think he's fucking fantastic. I think the reason that they haven't been called up yet, and and I know nothing. I mean, this is me just being a fan and kind of like seeing how things go, is it's all timing. Timing is everything. I would prefer that both of them stay in NXT in lieu of being called up to the main roster where they've got nothing for them to do. Especially in the case of a Braun Breaker. Okay, you yeah, know, that's keep, true. I'll agree with that. You keep him where he is. Uh, I think, you know, next week, or who is he fighting? Uh, Von Wagner or well, whatever. But he's got some stuff going on in NXT. But just keep him there. Uh, I think the worst thing you can do for him, and they already did it uh, before when they called him up to the main roster and Dolph Ziggler beat him for some inexplicable reason. Uh, which I thought was asinine. <laughs> what the fuck? But, I believe but that. Just, yeah, but just keep him where he is until – because I think, I think they're waiting for the right time to bring him up to do exactly what you are hoping that they do with him, which is he makes it a, a splashing debut on SmackDown, on Raw, and he's kind of just like kick-started into like a high-level position. That is my hope, uh, and I would rather they do that and just keep him in NXT until they're ready to bring him up to the main and really put the rocket behind his back because I think the kid has money written all over him. And if, you know, I always look at wrestlers like stocks. Like, if I had to invest in a wrestler, like, I'm, I'm put, like he's a blue chip, and I'm putting all my money in Braun Breaker. Like, this guy is going to – he's, he's, he's going to have a lot of success when he gets to Raw or SmackDown. Uh, I absolutely believe that. Well, that was the NXT portion of the program. Back to hey, reality. Hey, you got your NXT portion, Brian. You got uh, no, yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. You got it, man. <laughs> back, back to real life. Um, well, we got uh, Monday Night Raw. We see, we don't even talk about all of Monday Night Raw, Brian, let alone, you know, NXT, if I can find time for that. It's hard enough with these three-hour shows, if you know what I'm yeah. saying. But, oh, yeah, yes, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I would love to sit around and watch wrestling all day, every day, Brian. It would be my biggest dream in the world. <laughs> but the question I have for you guys is, what do you think Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> whispers to Seth Rollins? Right there? 
<laughs> something really, really crazy. I mean, it's it seemed to me like he had his kid kidnapped and like locked up in his basement or something. Like I kidnapped your child, or or I was with Becky before you. Maybe. See, I'm. I, I, <laughs> I I'm actually, and I know this is not what it is, but I'm hoping that Shisuke kind of said, "Brother, you know your fashion sense is terrible." Like, whoever's telling you that you look good in all these outfits you come out in, it's like, you don't, bro. And that's why he took the glasses off. Like, what? I don't look as cool as I think I do? That's what I think he said. Vlad, do you, you, like you have any guesses on what, what Shinsuke? Yeah, yeah, he said... That's a good uh, one, Robert. I got it. I think he said, uh, I got to go take a shit. So let's wrap this up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap up this up. Take, but because it's already ran 10 minutes too long uh, let's get out of here man let's get out of here but hold on i still have to attack <laughs> you so uh, seth was throwing so seth, seth was so thrown off by this he he couldn't believe what he told him that he that he had, you know he's like uh, i mean so i don't know that's my well, guess. look brian that's so my actually just, educated guess that it was, to to fill you in on uh what Vlad's been saying the past few weeks that he's not, he's never seen Shinsuke Nakamura be prominent in any company. He hasn't seen him in New Japan winning the G1 Climax. He hasn't seen him in WWE really being the champion because he's Vlad restarted watching again when AEW came back, when AEW yeah. started and the the wrestling wars reignited, I guess, if, if you would even say that. But so Vlad's never seen Shinsuke and he's just like not really into him and any of his segments. I thought this was standalone. I thought this was okay. I thought it was kind of funny that he was doing his promo in Japanese. That's like a it's like a cool heel thing to do. Like I don't care even if the crowd understands what I'm saying. I'm going to talk in my language. So they can put on a good match. This is kind of like an AJ Styles situation where they need someone who can just do a really well-worked match and I think he he's passable so far that they've they've uh, they've kind of made it so that it doesn't matter that he can't really speak English. So I like that segment. I mean, that's all I'll say about it. I'm not going to really go into anything about Shinsuke's history for Vlad. But uh, Brian, what what about you? You have any comments on this feud between Shinsuke and Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Title? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I I like the fact that it's you know it's a different matchup. I don't recall i mean maybe they have but i don't recall them having ever been in a program together so i like that aspect of it um and vlad like if someone like if you've never if your only kind of a familiarity with shinsuke is from his wwe run then i can understand you not being all that like like i just don't get what everybody gets about him i get it yeah. i get it i mean i have I've, I've seen his stuff i've seen him live in new japan um, he's fucking fantastic. Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the best wrestlers that I've ever seen live, and he's a very good wrestler. But you know, he's in WWE. He hasn't. He's not asked to do the same level of thing that he was when he was in New Japan. I've pretty. I, I've I've liked his WWE run. Um, but you know, it's like, it's like a lot of guys from the Indies or from, like from other promotions, like new Japan or whatever, where I'm like, I'm just happy that these guys are here and finally getting paid what they deserve. Even if maybe they're not being slotted in the same way that they were in their previous company or being afforded the opportunity to wrestle the type of matches that they want to, 
And when it comes to Shinsuke, I mean, he's he's been doing this for a long time, and I think for him, he's probably happy that he doesn't have to wrestle that grueling, you know, New Japan style where you know anymore because of you know his you know his age and everything. And but I like Shinsuke. Any and, chance uh, he's gonna win the title here? Or they, I mean, I would love to see a title. I'll, I'll be a fan of his if he takes the title off Seth Rollins. I doubt it. I doubt it. I I don't expect it. Yeah. This is the one guy that I don't want Rollins to lose to. <laughs> I probably want him to lose to anybody else in the company except for Nakamura. I think it could be cool. You didn't like him in this I, segment? I thought that I, was kind of I thought it was kind of funny, you yeah. know, left him laying. I can't say that I can't say that I did, but you know, I can't I, I, I'll, I'll be lying if I said I did. All right, all right. Well, let me move on because I got some more stuff yeah. to get to. I, I like the segment. Just I, I just want to say, Kahan, before we, we, we transition, I don't think him speaking Japanese is a heel thing. <laughs> uh, I think he's Japanese, and he's <laughs> he, his English is not as good as his Japanese. So I don't, I don't like, I don't look at that as like. Sometimes a heel he tries thing. to speak English. You know, this now he's like not even. I'm like, I'm not even gonna try today. I don't. Feel but he like did. It. He did. Like. <laughs> He's, he spoke his Japanese, and then he answered in the best that he could with his broken English to Michael Cole. But, I, 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 yeah, for me, like, I never look at that as like, oh, well, you're being a heel because you're speaking in your own language. It's like, all right, just like, cool, whatever. You know, he's Japanese. Hey, it, <laughs> is, it, is a, it is a heel thing when someone speaks to you in their own. Like, if you go into someone's, like, rest or, or store and they start talking another language, I'm like, dude, are these guys talking about me or what? What the fuck? Right, Vlad? Or no? <laughs> It's just generally uh, impolite. Well, yeah. I mean, he's obviously. It was kind of a heel thing because <laughs> because he was trying to make it so the crowd didn't understand what he was saying. You know, you could have been saying anything. You could have been telling the crowd to go f themselves, uh, go stick it up their ass. Uh, you know, he could have told Michael Cole what he thought of him. You know, at that time, which I wouldn't blame him. You know, just you know. Now Michael Cole's on both shows, so we're getting our fill of Michael Cole. Who yeah, I, some some brand split. Anyways, Don't like obviously. Oh, there he is. There's Michael Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there he is. <laughs> All right, let me move on Anyways, to the next yeah. next topic. Next, <laughs> I mean, I was extremely humored by this one. To be honest. I don't, I, I don't know why, but this this made me laugh so much. <laughs> oh, this spot I'm, was fantastic. I'm, I'm that was fantastic for our audio listeners. It's the spot where uh, Damian Priest is trying to slip him, slip Finn Balor the money in the bank, and it slips right through his legs into Cody Rhodes, and they just look at each other all bewildered, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> okay, Vlad, I know you've been saying that they're making the Judgment Day look very, very silly lately. Um, yeah. What did you That's think? That's really concerning. Yeah. What, how 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 was your standing with them after this raw on this episode? They did leave Cody Rhodes laying though. After this, they came out afterwards and beat him up. Right. So, right. Does, does that last, help you know, with after, the foolishness? After summer, after, after uh, slightly, like it, they got a little bit of their heat back at the end of the show. But boy, oh boy, after the SummerSlam debacle and then to have the same thing happen on Raw. Remember, I said. Uh, couple of shows back that they needed to get some wins they needed to win some matches <laughs> <laughs> and now they're being made to look like dumb uh, dummies okay i was gonna say i was gonna use a cuss word but i'll just leave it at dummies um you know and and i'm not sure if that's the right way you would be using a top heel group like this you know so that's my concern obviously i know they're building trying to build the tension between finn 
and and a priest, but it, they don't have to look dumb in the and in the process of doing it. They could do it a more natural, organic way. But yes, of course, they did get some of the heat back. They beat up Cody and Sammy at the end of the show. Okay, I mean, I, I think that's like that puts like a a bandaid on like a gunshot wound, though. So I don't know. That's kind of the way I look at it. Oh, I I did hear Brian say that he thought that spot was fantastic, which I thought it was well done too. They really thought, nailed I, what they were going for. I thought it was great, and and I don't I I actually don't think that the Judgment Day is being made to look like fools. Uh, I think the whole story, because like you look at the Judgment Day, the only one that is being made to look incompetent or foolish is Finn. Damien's got the money in the bank. Rhea's dominating everybody she's in the ring with. Dominic Mysterio as hated as he is, is running around with the North with the NXT North American title and is winning because of Rhea. I love this story they're doing where it's like the whole dynamic is like, we're all doing great except for Finn. And now <laughs> Finn's got his buddy, JD McDonough into the mix. And I like this. I mean, I, I was hoping that they would have built it Finn at SummerSlam just to kind of really kind of solidify the strength of the judgment day. I mean, that's probably what I would have, would have done but yeah but, but we seeing, were all expecting that yeah but seeing what they're doing it's like i'm 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 digging it and i yeah i'm curious to see where they go i mean i've read reports that it seems like damien is going to be the one who uh breaks out of the judgment day and then jd comes in and kind of takes his spot and then you know priest goes babyface whatever but i mean again that's just rumors that's what i've read but i i like i like the judgment day i think um they are the uh, the 1B to the bloodline being the 1A in terms of faction, in terms of like uh, a group or a story that kind of has people engaged, at least me. Because um, it's kind I, of I, a steep fall from the bloodline to everything else. That's yeah, I, did, I don't think it was too bad either, Vlad. I mean, I'm, 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 I think it's humorous. It's more, yeah, it is more humorous than it gives them like credibility because... They have looked really silly trying to help Finn. Well, right. They're, That's how you really... want your, your heel group to look humorous. Your, it, your badass heel to, to look like a bunch of jokesters. I got it. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. I got it. Well, if, if that's uh, the case, then they're doing their job. Yeah. They're doing their job. Well, unless, unless Damien is actually, like, playing everyone and he's really been, like, passing him the – because the, the way he passed him the briefcase at SummerSlam was a little weird. You know, like, does he does he really want to help him? Like, does he want to help? Because if he wins, if Finn wins the World Heavyweight title, then who's he going to cash in on? There's no one to cash in on. You know? So he can cash in on anybody. He could cash in on Roman. I mean, they don't ever, you know, introduce that element into it. But he's got yeah, the money at, in the bank. At SummerSlam, they were in the same building. I, I had that thought. But, yeah, they, they haven't been going there. They're trying to yeah. not muddy the waters, I guess. Well, anyways, listen. We're going to talk about our favorite thing in the world, me and Vlad's favorite thing, Dynamite, AEW. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. our main staple on this show, Brian, if, if you haven't been watching, for the most part, for most of the episodes, we do like a pretty in-depth Dynamite review just because there's oh, a lot. I'm aware. I'm aware. There's a lot in there and, you know, a lot of stuff to to really dissect, if you know what I mean. Yeah, suppose... well, there's a lot of stuff to, to talk about. Positive and negative. You know, I don't want to make it seem that we just rip everything. No, there are some positives as well. So there's plenty of both, you know, to go around. But this was an interesting episode. So let's think about it. And at the end, Brian will ask you for a grade as a show. So 
let's go through it uh, step by step. I'm not going to go through everything in detail, but we'll go we'll go over the card and see what happened. So we started with uh, Orange Cassidy, right, against uh, Wheeler Yuta. So uh, what happened in this? What was the ending? Orange Cassidy wins, right? And then gets attacked. Obviously. By, uh, yeah, I get, by the and then they all get attacked. And then uh, there's chaos at the end, and Kingston comes out, which I thought these punches looked terrible, you know? Like, just terrible work here by Kingston. With, it's supposed to be like a very uh, venomous feud he's having with Claudio, but he's not really like even gonna touch his face really at all here you know so no, that's all right. i think it's fine like <laughs> i mean it's just a running like what i don't know what you expected it's... well you know you got to make it look like you're trying to hit the guy i guess <laughs> instead of hitting the air anyways I thought, I, I thought it looked fine i'm not interested in this feud okay so i'm i'm gonna move on vlad are you interested in this feud oh eddie kingston came in and he got the mic and he's like, let's do a 12-man tag, right? So anybody, I guess, can, like, just get the microphone and be like, I want to have a match at All In. All right, here's the match. No, well, not, no. just, it's not just a match. It's a stampede. Uh, it's a stadium, stadium stampede, yeah. Yeah, a stadium. He's like, he felt like, all right, let's all do a stadium stampede. You know what? Good, good idea, Kingston. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, it's kind of weird that these guys get to book themselves like that. But uh, I mean, you you make it sound like this is like some new thing. Like this happens in WWE. <laughs> yeah, it, happens in, it happens everywhere. Like, well, this I is a this big is a, this is a big show. You don't have to run it by somebody before you're like, hey, all in, man. I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm having a feud with the with the maintenance guy in the back. You know what? I want you at all in. Like, what is this match, by the way? First of all, it's just gonna be six on three. Right. Well, right now it's six on three. Blackpool Combat Club need to find three guys. No Danielson, I guess. And they're going to have a stadium stampede match in the middle of Wembley Stadium. It's going to look like a shit show. No one's going to be able to see what the hell's going on anywhere. Um, I don't like this idea. Nancy over here. Negative I don't Nancy, like this dude. idea. I haven't even seen it yet, brother. It's like, I don't need I mean, to look. see it because I don't like this idea of all these guys feuding the best friends and the Lucha Brothers and Eddie Kingston yeah. against the Blackpool yeah, Combat yeah. Club and to be announced. That doesn't exactly. really excite me, but it's okay. With, with the people involved, there's no way that this is not going to end up being a, just a junk match, a total foolish, total foolishness all over the place. It's somebody, I mean, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be, yeah. I mean, right? I mean, come on, Brian. I mean, we know. Let's not call. <laughs> No, but in this case, we've seen the work that these guys do, the type of matches they're going to have. This is going to be a pretty uh, – it's going to be a garbage match. I mean, what? There's no other way to say it. It's, it's, that's what it's yeah, going to be. It's going to be – we've seen these stamped uh, – Well, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I, so. Yes, it will be a lot of pillage and plunder for sure. I, 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 I will say I am – I was shocked about the stadium stampede announcement because I'm like, I don't I, – I, I, how, do, how are you going to make that work live? Because, I mean, they definitely can't do a pre-tape. That's and true. put a pre-tape in front of, like, 90,000 people at Wembley. So I'm, I'm more just kind of fascinated by what they actually do. Because I think that's a ballsy call to do a stadium stampede match uh, at an event such as this. Um, but everybody involved is super talented. So I think it'll be fun, if nothing else. But I'm just curious to see exactly how this ends up being. I'll I'll be surprised if it goes off well personally, but I'm I'll keep an open mind, Brian, for you. Uh, I'm gonna move on though. We, let's uh, we got a few segments to get through here. So uh, what do we had next? We got uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is interviewing with uh, 
JR, and this turns ugly because uh, Don Callis comes in, and then uh, they get ju- they jump him. The Takeshita and, and the Bullet Club, they whoop his ass, and JR's watching. And uh, Kenny Omega said he wanted to be done with this feud with, uh, with Don Callis, which I thought was funny, personally, because it's like... Yeah, sometimes you don't want to get into a blood feud with someone. Like, can I just move on? But they don't, they're not letting him because Don Callis is such an asshole. I've been a, a fan of everything with Don Callis so far, personally. So I don't know if you have any comments about this segment in particular. I'll start with Vlad. Do you want to give a, a comment on Kenny Omega's interview and how it got interrupted? Oh... I don't know. I'm trying to think if if I liked it or I didn't like it. You know, I'm going back and forth there. I thought it was going to be more of a promo, like a serious promo, where he has Jim Ross there. You know, and it's going to be like he's actually talking about his career, his future, what he's going to be doing. That and maybe a more serious Kenny Omega I would have liked. But then, like ten seconds in, it turns into an angle where he's just getting beat up, and then just for to announce later on down in the show that it's going to be a six-man tag um for you know for all in uh, i mean i'm okay with it i'm okay with it i don't know but i wouldn't say i'm like looking forward to this that much yeah the, match is is the, the golden point. elite with ibushi and yeah. page and against um the bullet club right Bullet Club Gold. With Bullet, Club, Bullet Club Gold. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yes. All right. Well, that one I'm a little torn on because I like the Bullet Club. Yeah. I'm glad they're on the card. Okay. We'll talk about who's been left off the card later on. But at least they're on the card. That's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a, a payday, I think, if you're going to work that show. So I'm happy for that. Uh, Brian, did you have anything to say about Kenny Omega's interview skills? Uh, and then- well, just I would just echo what Vlad said. Where like when this was announced, I was hoping that it would be more of an actual like sit down with Omega to where he can kind of maybe lay out his mission statement for what he wants to achieve moving forward. Like maybe talk about, hey, I want to get back into the title picture or whatever. And it was obvious as soon as it started. Like I was just like, oh, angle alert. I mean, the way that yeah. it was filmed and shot, I'm like, okay, this is not a real sit down interview. Like this is. They're just setting something up. And so when the attack happened, I was like, oh, okay, there it goes. Which was another thing on this show. This was like angle fucking city, man. Like everybody got beat the fuck up at the end of every <laughs> segment. And it's one of those things. Like That's AEW so, all the time. I, I, yeah, yes, but this was like dynamite. Even more so. I mean, this, was, dynamite. this was even more so. And I think it's because they waited so long yeah. to try to build to be these matches for all in. And it was like Tony Khan just said, well, we got to do it all in one night. And, yeah, this was – I didn't I didn't think this was a bad segment. It was just kind of, in, uh, in, you know, uh, endemic of, like, what happened throughout the whole show, which was just angle, 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 like doing their damnedest to try to set up all these matches. Like, it, there was no room to breathe on anything that happened on this show. Uh and I'm like, okay. I mean, I didn't think it was bad. Uh, I'm a, I love Omega. Um, you know, I like like the match. I'm sure will be great. I like I like again. I like everybody involved. But yeah, it was. Well, that's that's one of the criticisms me and Vlad have had for this show is that yeah, sometimes there's it's been overbooked at times. Like um, when there, there's too many like afterbirths sometimes, and there just need to be. 
And Raw is like the opposite of this. Like nothing happens on Raw. And this one is like dynamites, like just cramming everything you could possibly do to the point where you're like desensitized. So you're, oh, another guy's getting his ass kicked. You know, it's hard to like, rem- it's hard to it's hard to remember one thing from the other because so many things are happening. I'm like. I mean, by by the time the show ended, I had forgotten about the whole Orange Cassidy beatdown. And like when you showed the, the you know the whole Eddie King, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, listen. So my phone died. I had my notes on there for this show, but it's okay. I'll just wing it. I got these timestamps. So let's see what happened next. You know how these iPhones take fucking forever to come back on when they die like you charge it and it takes like fucking 20 minutes to come back on that kind of sucks you gotta move to android dog yeah i know huh they they turn on immediately that's like that's amazing anyway so hangman page was here he looks like he's drinking a beer and he's at the hospital with page right and they tell him he can't drink the beer so he chugs it (laughs) right that was pretty funny like instead of throwing it out he just slammed it but that's that. So they set up the match for All In. Lots of matches getting set up. Uh, let's see what happens next. Got my next time code here. It's like uh, it's like roulette. Oh, here's uh, Don Callis. Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, this was finally supposed to be when Chris Jericho announced whether he was going to join Don Callis' family. And he came in, and the answer was yes. And uh, Don Callis was like, cool, let's go party. And but there was a painting there that uh, he was going to show Jericho and it turned out it was that he was thinking Jericho wasn't going to accept his offer. <laughs> and, and the painting is pretty hilarious, honestly, <laughs> a hilarious painting of, of him with Jericho's dismembered head. So let me just see if I can get this straight. So for weeks, he's been asking him, bugging him to join his crew and then expected a no answer just to have a beatdown ready for him, right? Is that what, what I get? And then Chris Jericho did call him an asshole, and that is such an asshole thing to do. So Don Callis is literally an asshole. And so, yeah, they did have a beatdown ready, ready for him. And, uh, oh, this, <laughs> this is, it's always funny to see Don Callis squeal a little <laughs> bit. I re- me and Vlad, I remember Don Callis from when I was a kid. He was Cyrus the Virus in ECW. I actually remember seeing him. Uh, he had long hair and he was the same annoying guy. But what about this uh, segment here, Vlad? Uh, well, let me start with Brian because I started with Vlad last time. Uh, sure, sure. Two low lives going at it here, uh, feuding with each other, Don Callis and Chris Jericho. And the match is going to turn out to be Will Ospreay all uh, out of nowhere uh, versus Chris Jericho. Okay, what do you think of this segment and what do you think of this booking, Brian? I was not a fan of this segment. Um,. I love Don Callis. I love Jericho. This is one of those things where everybody involved were trying to be too cute for their own good. None of this makes any sense. You mentioned the fact that, okay, so the whole thing, you know, he, you know, Callis is waiting for Jericho to give him his answer. Are you joining me? Or are you not? Uh, he has his painting ready that's, you know, <laughs> covered up, expecting that he's going to say no. Cal is being that he's gonna that Jericho's gonna say no, and when that happens, they wanted to then beat him down. I'm like, well, if that was the case, why wasn't Takeshita at least in the ring with Callus to then be so when you so when Callus, who's already expecting a no, 
unveils the painting and shows the severed head of Jericho, and then Takeshka's like starts effing him up. That would have been a, like, a little cleaner. I like it that. It breaks like this. Like logically, this was just all over the place, and it was like one of those situations where you've got a heel who turns babyface because he no longer is getting along with the heel. And it's just a weird thing. So Jericho said he was he was like, yeah, I'm going to join you. Let's go. Me and you, dog. You know, two scumbags rocking together. Let's take over AEW, whatever the hell. I'm going to get the AEW title bag. Boom, boom, boom. And it was only until Jericho's like, hey, so by the way, what's underneath this, uh, this thing here? Like, what's this painting? And then once he sees that, now all of a sudden he's mad. And he wants to fight, understandably so. But I'm like, as a, I'm like, well, I don't like you both are dickheads. Like I don't, like that kind of feels like, I'm not like, who am I supposed to root for here? And it's like, it's just an awkward, babyface turn for Jericho. And I thought, I thought the performances were good because they're both pros, but just the, uh, the, there's, there's no logic involved in this segment at all for me. And I watched it, and I was just like. I, I, I'm rooting for you, AEW. I want you to succeed. I I, I, I like this these these talents, but this felt hammy. It felt low rent. It felt stupid. And I just expect I expect better from especially from these two, from Callis and Jericho, because they have their say. You know, they can you know their their say. I'm sure it carries a lot of weight, much more so than like a Julia Hart or somebody else who's out there doing a segment. Like if Jericho and Don Callis didn't want to do this, they probably could have changed it. So I think it was bad judgment on their part, and I just was not a fan. How about and, you, and, and, and I'm not I'm not excited to see Jericho and Osprey. I love them oh, both. Oh yeah, forgot about but that. But that's not a but that's not a match that I want to see. Yeah, where the hell did uh, that come from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe they talked about it. They're like buddies. Like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we fought it all in? Or I don't know. I have no idea. Vlad, you go ahead, please. Uh, well, I think Brian just said it, said it all. I mean, for a second, I thought Jericho, when he saw the pain, was still going to be like, all right, yeah, you're, you're a dick, and I'm a dick, and we're two dicks, and we're still going to join up, you know? But then, yeah, it ended up being like a sword. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it, Brian said it, uh, you know, as best as you possibly could say it. This was, it just lacked all logic. But your idea, Vlad, your idea, Vlad, your idea, Vlad, just, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> Whereas, like, he unveils the thing, and, like, Don Cow's like, oh, damn, I was hoping you didn't see this. And then Jericho's yeah. like, Bro, I get it. You're an asshole. Yeah. I'm an asshole. All right. Yeah. You thought I was going to say no. Like, I would have popped for that. That would have been yes. That would have been cool. That's the direction I thought it was going because, yeah. like, well, yeah, we're two, we're two assholes. We're, we're you, know, you know, whatever, whatever. I've known you for 30-plus years. We're two scumbags, whatever, da, 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 da. I don't know. I, that yeah. would have been better probably, but instead of what we got. So, I mean, I don't want to be too long-winded about this because I don't think it's really deserved <laughs> yeah. deserves it but yeah it wasn't very good like, for the reasons that Brian said <laughs> well look this is gonna be weird because yeah this was my favorite thing on this episode but you know that's not saying a lot because there was a lot of say, yeah. garbage on this episode <laughs> but okay the, the one moment okay I, I agree with Brian that the logic of it is screwy and weird and stupid that why would he 
bring that painting with them. Okay, why well, we could have had a, another painting. Maybe you could have had two of them or something, and just in case it went either way. But the one moment I liked was when Jericho was telling him, you know, like, come on, you're lying. Be a man for once in your goddamn life. Tell the truth. Like, I thought that was a little bit of, like, real old-school Chris Jericho coming out finally instead of, like, the fake kind of Chris Jericho that we've been getting for such a long time. I thought that was – it sounded genuine, especially because he was telling John Don Callis, like, you're – you're a low life asshole and like, you know, just tell the truth for once in your life. Like, how can it how can it not sound real if when you're talking to Don Callis? And then Don Callis's response, finally, when he told him, You're an egomaniac and you only worry about yourself you only care about yourself and all that stuff and all he's like, Fine, I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you. Okay, you know, there was something about this that was like I cracked a smile, okay. I but overall, yes, I don't think this is a good storyline and and the Will Ospreay thing, yes, yeah, very weird freaking booking, okay? Like, for 80,000 people, I don't know. But it's going to give them a chance. It's going to give 80,000 people a chance to sing Judas. So that's going to be one of those moments, I guess, that that's that's going to be – that's going to live forever. But the match itself, I don't really care. But uh, let me see. It's my Oh, my iPhone turned off. Woo! All right. Yeah. Let's move. <laughs> that, that's me. All right. All right. My favorite segment on the show, Don Callis. All right, so next we have... Sorry about that, guys. We already went through this. We already went through this part of the show. Oh, I know what's next. It's it's Jack Perry. Jack Perry and, and Hook. So Jack Perry says he's going to retire the FTW title. And Taz was kind of flustered by that. He's like, what the hell? That's my title. What do you mean you're going to? So something's supposed to come to a head next week, probably, I'm guessing. Hook Hook is going to come out. I mean, they haven't been booked for All In, Jack Perry or Hook, one of the pillars. So I guess that could be a, a match, maybe, for All In. But I don't yeah, know. I think, the yeah, card's kind of see. full, but we'll see. Is it, though? Like... The the card is not that full. There's, I there's, think there's, there's I think there's nine matches already there already uh, set up. It? Let me see. There's Stadium one, Stampede. two, three, four, five. Yeah, there's nine matches. I don't know if that's a lot. I mean, depends on the length of the matches. But I'll go through the card with you guys at the end because we're gonna do yeah, uh, predictions. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm I'm surprised by that because in my head, just thinking about it, I'm like I could probably think of like four or five. All right, so Gates of Agony versus Darby Allen and Nick Wayne. This is the feud they're having with the Mogul Embassy that's going to be a tag match at All In. I wasn't so enamored with this booking. I don't know, Vlad, did you really pay attention to this match at all? I kind of I kind of just skipped to the end, to be honest. The, the baby faces won. I mean, they, they came from behind right. and... You know they they were getting beat up a lot and they they ended up coming back in the end. Oh, and then and then the thing at the end that happened is that Sting kidnapped Prince he kidnapped Nana. Him. He was yeah, a little a little bit of that. Joker Sting coming back yeah. coming out, uh, which is nice. I don't know, uh, Brian. You were talking shit about TNA earlier. I'm a big TNA fan as well, not as much as WCW, but I love the Joker Sting era in like 2012. I think that was the year. 
Um, yeah. I think that was some of his best work. I don't know if you can ever get a hold of those tapes. I can maybe. I watched it. I, I watched it all in real time. Uh, yeah, I, did you? There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was not a fan of Joker's thing. I did not think it was his best work. Oh, no. Uh, Vlad, come on. What do you think? Joker, Joker's thing, fan or not? I mean, it wasn't bad, but I wouldn't say it's his best work. Uh, not his it best was, work. It's probably but... somewhere in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah. shitting. But, it was, it, I did, but it's not his best work, in my opinion. It's like, no. It's, and it was a little late to the party, too. It's like, dude, like, you're doing this after, like, The Dark Knight came out in 2008. And now you now you want to do this Joker's thing thing? It's like... But he he did it so good, though, to be honest. I I I, I loved it, personally. So it's it's going to be nice to see Joker's thing, maybe, at the, at the pay-per-view. But um, this booking itself, I think, is just going to be a chance to let the fans in England see Sting one last time. Other than that, they're going to get the win, too. They're going to make him look good. Should be one of his last matches, if anything. I mean, I don't know, but we'll see. Oh, that's right. Uh, they're doing the coffin match, right? It is a coffin match. It's a, coffin, yes. it's a tag team yes. coffin match. Yeah. So I guess you got to put both partners in the in the coffin? or like, so, It's a lot, of, uh, a lot of gimmick matches. We got a stadium stampede. We got a coffin match. But anyways... Let me move along. Uh, we got, after this, I think it's going to be MJF and Adam Cole, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so they go to Outback Steakhouse because the only way to scout out their Australian opponents is at Outback Steakhouse. So they're going to eat, <laughs> and uh, Adam Cole, loved, you know, they thought it was delicious. They really, they really loved it. And then uh, they were going to watch Crocodile Dundee, but instead uh, MJF showed them a video of a kangaroo right and he wants to do a kangaroo kick that's going to be like his his next thing okay so, <laughs> so then uh i guess the next way was they they were, they they clotheslined the the maintenance guy who found uh, their stuffed crocodile in Put some respect uh, on it it's a double clothesline it's a double, a double clothesline. clothesline yes yeah. and the, and they clotheslined him into the kiddie <clears throat> pool and then uh tony khan calls him into the office and yells at them uh one of his first really appearances as a character on this show other than his little like announcements that he makes which i think that's interesting kind of uh so even though these are pre-tapes you know they're still going along with it so they're they're putting them over they're trying to get them involved but uh i'm not sure hold on before i ask you guys about it i'll go i'll do the next segment too because they're involved they, they get they get to the stadium mjf ate a lot of spicy chicken and he has to take a dump but they get out there uh they cut some promos uh, finally, some serious promos this time, because this has all been like ridiculous stuff about we're friends and we're going to shake hands and have a good match. But there was some fire in MJF's promo. Finally said, like, you know, this is going to be uh, my my only goal in life to keep this title and I'm going to keep it no matter what. I'm, you know, which is interesting. Does that mean he would cheat on his own best friend, you know, at this point? Not cheat on him, but you know what I mean. Cheat <laughs> in the match. <laughs> but... So this segment ends when uh, yeah. Ozzy Open attacks them. But uh, even though they got sneak attacked, MJF and Adam Cole, uh, they, they got the best of them at the end. And Ozzy Open powders out. And uh, so there's a lot to talk about here, okay? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start with Brian on this. So we no, had you, a segment. Start, start, start with Vlad. Start with Vlad. Please. You want to you you defer to Vlad first? <laughs> I do. I do. Okay, Vlad. Let's, let's defer to Vlad. <laughs> Vlad, okay, there was the pre-tape segment. I will take it from here. Yeah. There was the pre-tape segment yeah. and the kangaroo kick and the Outback Steakhouse. You want to comment on that first before the in-ring promos? 
No, I don't. I, I'm so sick of these comedy segments. That's that, This is what I, makes it really unbearable to uh, get through, as much as I love MJF, and I do, I said before, I have a soft spot for Cole. Uh, I cannot handle this anymore. I mean, it, it's, why don't they just skip those things and have them just come out? If they're going to come out anyways, why even have that? So let's just go to the uh, in-ring segment, because that's really what I want to talk about, I guess, or... All right. Yeah. Discuss, okay. So the promos—they finally—they said they're going to be serious and try to win, try to win the match. Okay, which is also still very weird to me because they're best friends, I guess. Um, yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, again, credit to MJF. He makes everything entertaining, and he—you know—he can go from being, you know, funny and entertaining in the middle of a promo to getting serious real quick. You know, just boom, like that. Uh, and he's and he's in it, you know. So he cut up another really MJF type promo, uh, explaining what the title means to him, explaining everything else that you know. As much as his friendship means, you know, means to, you know Cole's friendship means to him, the title means you know even more. So he's gonna do whatever it takes to win and things like that. So it's and you know and Cole was not bad either. So overall, the promo was strong. The segment was strong. Ozzy Open coming in, okay. I mean, I don't know what's the sense of having them also defend the titles on the pre-show or fight for the Ring of Honor titles at the pre-show. I'm a little torn on that, but I'm, I'm hopeful that they have a, an idea with the booking of how that will make sense and how that will end. Uh, so overall, probably this is probably the strongest segment of the night by far. Like, no doubt about that. After everything, you're, but you're ignoring the, the most you're ignoring the pre-tape. And, well, I've been ignoring the pre-tapes for for the last like month and a half. So yes, I'm gonna stick with that and pretend that I'm only seeing the promos. As you know, uh, but yeah, okay. All, overall, this was the best part of the show. Well, okay, That's listen, Brian. You know what? I'll I'll go next. Yeah. Um, okay. I like I like that it seemed like they're giving effort to a feud with Ozzy Open, which is it's like to me it's MJF. He takes everything seriously. So you're, we're going to fight Ozzy Open for the – it seems like a throwaway match. But, you know, kangaroo kick, okay, it's silly, but it's at least it's like it's mess. It's like messing with Ozzy Open a little bit in a way, you know, making fun of them. So it's something, okay? I'm sure that's MJF creative, and it's like, like, like I was telling Brian – Tony Khan's probably too busy to micromanage and write every single joke or whatever. So he's got to let some of his guys do some of the creative themselves. This is what they came up with. Okay, you know, not great, but at least it's something. They're work. They're working that match, that Ring of Honor match to start the show. Um, what did any? Uh, oh, Roddy. Rod, was Roddy here today? I think he was in the parking lot. I think. Yeah, he was the, with the kingdom. With the kingdom. He kicked the, the tire. He was pissed off. Like, <laughs> I have a prediction. I don't know if it's too early. There's one more show. There's one more Dynamite next week. But I can I can make a prediction if you guys want to do that for for what's going to happen at uh, at the, the pay-per-view. But let's get Brian's opinion about these two segments first. The pre-taped uh, comedic segment and then uh, the promo battle in the ring. That they had. What do you? What do you? Give us some thoughts about that before I might ask us for some predictions. All right. So I want to be quick. I really don't have a whole lot to uh, 
to add. That's why I wanted Vlad to go first because I, I had a feeling that me and him were going to be simpatico. I, I I like I'm a funny guy. I like <laughs> haha. I like comedies. Naked Gun is one of my all time favorite movies. Uh, I like comedy and wrestling. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I'm not a fan of 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 these uh, these pre tapes they've been doing. These uh, wacky, uh, just I'm just I, I just haven't been a fan. Complete miss, and, huh? Well, it's not even so much that it's a miss. I just think like this is this is this is an angle. This is a storyline that is revolving around your top belt in the company. This is the AEW World Championship. I don't think that at that level, there should be this level of haha and kind of a carefreeness in something that everybody theoretically within the confines of the narrative should be striving for and trying to get. There's a place for comedy and pro wrestling. I just don't think that that comedy needs to be at the top of the card. And this is presumably the main event at Wembley. And like I said, I think they've done a good job with the pre-tapes, even though I kind of disagree. I disagree with the comedic approach and how heavy-handed they've been. So I was not a fan of the Outback stuff, of the double close. I, it was just so silly. And it was like, this is not what I want in my wrestling. But then as Vlad mentioned, they <laughs> the next segment, they go to the ring, MJF cuts this impassioned promo. Adam Cole does follows up and does his thing. And it's like, that's all that needed to have happened here. Um, mm. That's all we needed. We did not need this whole wacky Outback Steakhouse thing. Just cut that from the run sheet and just do what they did in the ring. There were still ele- you know, elements of levity, but they brought it home and, they, and MJF made it serious. Adam Cole made it serious. It's like, we're boys, but come this night, they both stated, we're going to do whatever I can to walk away as the world heavyweight champion. Perfect. I I just, I mean, I I can't remember the last time I saw any wrestling show where I was so vehemently against one segment, but was then so on board for the segment right after. It was like, it was just a ping pong effect. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching right now? It's like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This is why we review Dynamite, man. There's yeah. nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I don't know. Like, we, we were trying to discuss before whether we like Collision or Dynamite better. Like, I don't I don't know. I've been enjoying Collision a lot. Honestly, I've been, yeah. I've been enjoying the Collision a lot more than Dynamite uh, in these recent weeks. I'm, um, I mean, it's, a, it's overall like a more neatly booked show, but... Uh, Man, dynamite is something else. All right, let's move along though, because uh, we're already past the hour and a half mark. But I do want to yeah. finish dynamite, so let's just do our dynamite review, and let's get out of here and go drink some bees. Uh, <laughs> Aronies. <laughs> I might have a Tony. Oh, you know what? I forgot about this. Tony D'Angelo. I totally, Tony for- I totally forgot about this tease here. What the hell was this? Why was Adam Cole doing this, huh? Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like the oh, You know what? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. You, you know what? Because we don't know if what's going to go on next weekend or who's busy. Brian, are you comfortable making a, a prediction for All In for this match for the Adam Cole's? What's going to happen in the pre-show and what's going to happen in the main event? Do you do you need the last week or can you make a prediction right now? Because I, no, I, no, I mean, 
I can make a prediction. I mean, in, in terms of like the, uh, yeah, I was, I, I wanted to mention the whole zero hour, the fact that they've got these two, the, the your two guys that are going to be in the main event of one of, of the biggest pro wrestling show in modern history. You then have them on the fucking pre-show. Now I hate, I, 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 See, I'm already getting upset about it. I, I, I tried to just give everybody the benefit of the doubt until it happens. But on paper, this seems like such a colossal mistake for any number of reasons. Not, I mean, forget the fact that you're risking potential injury by having your two main eventers wrestling on the pre-show ahead of the real show. I and I and I don't I, I don't think Tony Khan is a is a dumb man. In fact, I think he's a smart individual. I think this whole thing is no, going to be nothing more than an angle that will probably be used to set up something that will transpire in the actual main event. Um, I don't think they're going to have an actual match with Ozzy Open. I think you know the Kingdom, Roddy, something like that is going to happen where it's going to be called out. Whatever, maybe they they lock up and then you know the shit gets thrown out. That's what I'm hoping because I just can't imagine Tony Khan would risk his main event by having his two main eventers in the freaking pre-show. So that's that. In terms of what I think is going to happen in the main event, honestly, it's hard to say because they've got all out the following Sunday. Uh, So I don't know. Maybe MJF wins. Maybe they run it back at all out, and that's when we get the double turn because I do think that Adam Cole is going to be the one that turns on MJF. Whether that happens at all in, if it doesn't happen at all in and they do do another match the, the week later, which, again, I think is a bad idea. Like, I don't know. It's weird to, to predict something where the next big show is, like, the following week. But I know it's tough. I'm not so so uh, you know confident about my pick either. But let's just make one because we might yeah, be right, I, and you you could you could say you could brag about it afterwards if you're right. I think I, yeah, I, I think a double turn is happening. I think MJF is going to remain the baby face that people love to hate, and Cole and uh, Roderick. I mean, there's no way that Roderick Strong is a baby face. Any you you cannot be a baby face rocking the uh, the neck brace. She just looked like a buffoon doing that, and he's been he's been rocking this neck brace for weeks now. There, there's no way in hell this guy is on the up and up at all. So, yeah, I think there's all a right. double turn in the works. All right, I think that's Vlad's pick too. I'm not sure if he's going to say double turn, but I think you you did mention that you're pretty sure Adam Cole's going to turn, be the one to turn on yeah. MJF. Yeah, but I think Brian made a good point in the sense that will it happen this this show or will it, since they have another pay per view so soon after will they wait to show all their cards uh, in the next show? So that that does kind of put a wrink you know a wrinkle in my prediction. But I'm going to just say that yeah, for this show this is when they do the the turn. So I could be wrong, you know, based on the fact that they, you know, usually they have like a, a pay-per-view four months down the line after yeah. this one, but since this one is like right after. And then what uh, about the, kind of the pre-show? Do they win that match or do they lose that match? Or, or I, I think what Brian said is probably right. They should. They probably won't even have it. It's probably just going to be like some kind of, uh, you know, brouhaha where everybody just attacks the ring, like Kingdom and 
or something happens, you know, something where they don't end up actually having the match. I think that makes the most sense. They're not like, I mean, I can't have, I can't imagine they have a competitive 15, 20 minute match and then go in the main event. That would just be, Unbelievable! <laughs> I, would, I actually might just watch the pre-show just to see what happens. Like, that that <laughs> is so crazy. Well, here's my yeah, prediction. It is crazy. My prediction is they're going to win the Ring of Honor Tag Team Titles in the pre-show in a 20-minute oh match. Oh my god! <laughs> and in the main event, the runout will be Roderick Strong, and he's going to come out and distract Adam Cole. Adam Cole's going to say, get out of here. I'm doing my match. Get out of here. And that's going to distract him enough for MJF to get the pin, and they're going to stay best friends. There's so wait, so, then, no, so, so, so no turn. Nobody's turning No turn. Anymore. No turn. This is too good, baby. Okay, Better okay. than I, you, baby. I, I, I have to throw just a slight, not even a monkey wrench, but a question. <laughs> You, 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 and, and, and I say this with all respect because I, I love Roderick Strong. I've been a fan yeah. of Roderick Strong since like 2006, 2007, something like that. Well, he can like be a his, heel. Adam Cole versus run, Roderick Strong. His run as PWG out. champion was one of the best runs in PWG history. I say all that to say this. You were going to have Roderick Strong interfere in the main event of a 90,000 <laughs> arena packed Wembley Stadium and have him be the one that interferes in this match against MJF and Adam Cole Roderick Strong yes with the neck brace dude everyone's been watching this show everyone's been watching this show on a week to week basis but there's there's levels to this there's levels to this like no I I, that's that's why I I think there's more but there's a greater chance of Roderick getting involved (laughs) in the pre-show than in the main event because that would be that'd be like who was the guy in WWE uh, oh, I forget his name, but he was like a line with Carmella, the um, the dumpy looking dude. Uh, oh. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, maybe, I forgot. Maybe it. Maybe I, not. I can't remember. Like, his he, name. he got he he got he got destroyed by Braun Strowman, and then he became like uh, kind of a regular for for a bit of time. He and with Carmella, I forget his name, but it'd be like him going and in, interfering in the main event. It's like, but it's what not though. I don't think yes. that analogy is like the same. Roderick Strong is is known in the wrestling community. He was in the the no, it's, it's not, undisputed it's not era, that. right? Yes, but he was not. Again, I say this with respect to Roddy. <laughs> it's like having Brandon Cutler come out and in the main event and being like, "Oh, I'm the reason that you lost." It's like what? No, no. Well, no. What, when it happens, you guys are gonna come back and tell me. So okay. let's let's okay. see. All right, let's just wait and see. I'm locking it in. That's my prediction. They're going to stay together. They have to. Adam, this is way too important to MJF's life. The first friend he's ever made, he needs this. If, if It would destroy him. It would destroy oh him if Adam don't, Cole. Don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. <laughs> yeah, he's working himself into a shoot. <laughs> All right. He's already preparing for his his show, the Mark show that he's going to be doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're uh, we're basically done with this show. I'm going to run through the rest of it, but there there wasn't really anything that I liked. So they booked uh, this Jericho match with Osprey. Okay, I love Jeff Jarrett. He's actually my favorite. Like okay, as wait. a Mark, we have to discuss this debacle. We have at least have to. I I know. Say a, a I'm, word about it. We have I'm the biggest Jeff Jarrett fan. It. 
I love Jeff Jarrett booking. I love chaos booking. This is a disservice to to even Jeff Jarrett. This we were talking about. How the, what are you talking about? This was chaos at its finest. And no, man, man, this is not how it used to be. This was there was there was structured chaos back in the days. This this is nonsense. There's no reason why they're even having this match other than uh, Texas Massacre or Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like a sponsor or something. But it was sad to see Jeff Jarrett like this for me in his hometown. He ended up getting the pinfall. But what what was this, by the way? This this is like worse than WCW 1999 Vince Russo ideas. Oh my God. We're no, talking about. I, I, nah, worse is a. I, I would say on par. Dude, yeah, you remember like, like Prince Iakea, like yeah. artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, and you know so whatever far. bad angle you could think of. Like this, this is. Um, yeah, I don't know. This the, this was weirdly the booked. The one that always sticks to me is when they had the Juventus Guerrero and Psychosis match, but on a tequila on a on a pool match. But <laughs> that's the one that sticks to me for some reason. Well, they had a Viagra on a pole match. But too, anyways, right? yeah, uh, this was on par, like Brian said. They it was, it was, have a it was very match. weird. I mean, this is, okay, yeah. I don't know. So I this mean, is I... on par with all that. So this this was bad. Everyone agree that this was like weirdly bad, like and just misplaced and. I mean, anyone, anyone, anyone uh, it may have disagree? been one of the worst. It may have been the worst. It may have been the worst thing they've done uh, so far in AEW, and that's saying a lot. They've done a lot of crazy things that have been bad, but this may have been the worst thing I've seen them do. Yeah, I, I, I almost, know, like, I would have to agree. It. Honestly, I, I'm surprised. I, I, no, I was just gonna say I, I don't think that <laughs> AEW's done a lot of terrible things in their short run as a company. But I was not a fan of this at all. Yeah, and... at least Jared got the win, though. At least he got the pinfall. <laughs> <laughs> sent, the, sent the fans home happy, huh? Oh, my he, God, yes. He did get and... hit in the head with his own guitar, too, which was supposed yeah. to be, like, a big big deal when it finally happened. But, you know, they kind of wasted it here. But, okay. The, uh, thing, the thing with me, just real quick, real quick. Like, I know, okay, so they're doing this at the tie-in for the Texas Chainsaw video game. All right. They're, they're giving, you know, the sponsorship money. I get it. I mean, business is business, right? WWE does this sometimes. Remember, like, the maze got eaten by zombies? Yeah, yeah, promoted, yeah, that's Like, one of the true. Netflix things, which is terrible. Uh, it's like, there's got to be a way where you can appease your sponsorship partner and at the same time tie that sponsorship in to whatever you're doing on programming without it being this dumb. I would like to think, and I watched this and I just thought there had to have been better ideas than this. Cause this was just dumb. It was silly. I felt embarrassed watching it. And again, I like all these people involved and I feel bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having me to too. participate in this. Me too. Yeah. Again, it's just like, this is not what I tune in my pro wrestling for us to see stuff I know. like this. Well, let's yeah. move along. Let's not bring in more, even more light to this segment. Let's let's hope people forget about it. And then and then I proceed to to make a YouTube segment reviewing the, the death match on Dynamite. Okay. Well, listen. So, uh, what was next? Uh, a couple more matches. There was a throwaway match. It was uh, Britt Baker against the uh, the Bunny. And this, uh, everyone knew what, what this was supposed to be. This Brett Baker was going to enter that four-way at All In, so this was kind of a waste of time. The acclaimed, they're continuing a feud with um, 
House of Black. They were supposed to fight some jobbers, which I was disappointed that I didn't get to see the jobbers because the lights Enhancement came talent. on. Enhancement talent. <laughs> hey, we're, we can call them jobbers here. We're, we're the Malapert Smarks. We love jobbers, baby. Uh, and then the last match of the night was the Guns against uh, the Young Bucks, which is uh, their last tune-up, I think, before they face FTR and uh, this was a good match, actually. I mean, for a Young Bucks match, Vlad knows I'm not a big fan of the Young Bucks, but they thwarted uh, some cheating shenanigans and proceeded to cheat themselves to win the match. And then FTR uh, hit the ring to save them from a beatdown because they're so honorable and they want to face uh, uh, the Young Bucks at full strength. And Vlad was worried that uh, this is going to be a booking where the Young Bucks booked themselves to win. And in light of today's events, uh, Vlad and Brian, which I don't know if you guys heard about, I, I think that that is kind of going to be solidified now. Um, right, Vlad? Did you hear what, about this? What were today's hear- events? I'm, what were t- I know I'm, I may be, I may have been out of this, out of the loop what is Brian, brian's heard right you heard about it yeah yeah no cash cash got arrested for aggravated assault uh brandishing a firearm oh what but but he's fine like he's he's gonna be at the show it's, he'll be at the show but he's good they're gonna do the job now like you know well, I, I, I don't I, I don't think i don't think his legal situation is gonna impact whatever no? tony wants to do no no because i read the affidavit and everything that happened and while it, i mean obviously <laughs> you know it's never good when the police get in your business it's uh it's I don't it's it's not as severe of a thing and like he was he he wasn't forced to give his passport or anything like that he's free to travel and do all that stuff, um so yeah I mean it'll be it'll be something that he takes care of oh, with wow. his personal time and everything but yeah I don't he's not, I don't think he's going to jail or over any of this or anything like that yeah but this could be the type of thing where you just get your role reduced because it's just bad publicity so. I'm yeah, kind of thinking I don't, that's... I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I mean, it it didn't make it didn't pop any like mainstream media. Look at Vlad's face. Look I at covered. his face. Look how sad he looks hearing this news. <laughs> <laughs> I am sad. I, I mean, this. I think you're. I think Caleb's right. It pretty much seals the deal. The, the young bucks are gonna. Young bucks are gonna win the match. I mean, if I wasn't eighty five percent before. I'm like almost 99% sure now that they're going to win. So yeah, I am a little yeah. sad. I, I wish I was with you, Brian, but I think this that's it's definitely the Young Bucks, man. They're like, well, they need some kind of excuse to book themselves to win this. So uh, I'm going to no, predict. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't agree with that. Like the Young Bucks, they don't book themselves to do anything. Like Tony Khan is the one who's making the decisions on all the booking. So are you picking, so, the, are you picking FTR then for this match? Uh. Honestly, until you asked, like I, I hadn't even really got to the point where I would think who would go over. I think just based on how how this whole thing was kind of like slapdash together, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense for the Young Bucks to win it. You know, they haven't even up until like what two weeks ago they hadn't even seen concern with the AEW Tag Team Championships. Whereas FTR, like their whole identity is built and based around the fact that they are the AEW Tag Champs. So I would say FTR goes over because it's like, okay, so Young Bucks win. It's not like they have any challengers lined up for them. Like they hadn't even been the tag division until two weeks ago, you know, or, or, or actually not even that uh, since uh, on this week when they faced the guns. So I think FTR retains. I think it'll be probably the best match on the show. 
And yeah, I think FTR goes over. All right. Interesting. Uh, so let's get a grade from you guys for this dynamite. And then I'll go over the, the card as we have it so far for all in. Uh, Vlad, give it a grade. AW Dynamite, Wednesday, the 16th wow, of August, 2023. Uh, I'm trying to see if I should be a little lenient, but I don't even know why. Uh, I'm going to give it a C minus, but it probably deserves like a D. If, if, man, if there's, if there's a show that deserves an F, it might be this one, but I'm going to be oh, really come nice. On. No, it's not thing. an F show. It wasn't an F show. Uh, well, okay. It wasn't an F show, but let's just say C minus. That's what I'll, I'll leave it as C minus. All right, Brian, let's hear it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Vlad. I mean, I I, I wasn't going to do like the plus or minus thing. I was just going to say a C. Uh, definitely not one of their better episodes. Um, a lot of silliness and dumb shit. But some of the wrestling was good. Some of the 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 promos were great. I think you know the off the strength. Honestly, off the strength of the the opening match, Wheeler Yuta and Orange Cassidy, which I thought was the best in ring on the show. And then the in-ring promo segment with Cole and MJF were enough to keep it in the C level for me. Well, um, the worst grade I think I gave Dynamite this since we started doing this podcast was like a D plus. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna do it, Vlad. This was an F. I'm giving it an F. Well, look, when when I was in school. Uh, and a D minus was 60% exactly. So if you got 60% of the questions right, they'll let you slide with a D minus. So 59%. I would call this less than 59%, honestly. This is the worst dynamite I've seen by far. There was so, too much bad in it. There was not much good in it. Yeah. When, I, when I'm saying the best thing was the horrible segment between Don Callis. And the one saving grace was like MJF and Adam Cole. If it didn't have their in-ring promos, it would have been like a 20% show. Instead, I'll call it like a 50% show. This was bad, dude. This is like the build-up to All In. I was so disappointed, man. I'm like, why are you doing all this silly stuff? And even, especially considering the time where we're like a week away and they're fooling around, man. Like, this is the go-home. This is pretty much it. Like, and I, I'm not really happy with a lot of the booking, the best friend stuff with, with the Blackpool Combat Club. I just really don't care about it all. So... Uh, I'll give it a, a good F, an F plus, like really close to <laughs> D minus. So. To, to, to their, to their, or, you know, just to be fair, this was not the go home show. So just to be fair. No, no, it's, I know but, it's go, go home, yeah. almost go home. We're going yeah. home. We're getting there. Anyways, the go home show to the go home show. So good show guys. Thank you for coming on. Um, well, did Brian give us great? I missed it. If he did, did he yeah, give I did. A C. I, yeah, I gave it a C. Oh, C. I gave C, it a C. 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 Got it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. That's C. Right. But I, I, I do think that Soraya is going to win that uh, four-way match just because it's in England. So it's Sheeta, Chris Baker, uh, Britt Baker, and Tony Storm. So I think that's Soraya. I don't know if anyone has a prediction for that one. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's going to be her. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, think it's going to be her either. I think it'll. I, I think it'll. I think Sheeta retains. I obviously I'd like to see Tony Storm win it just because I'm Baker to be winning. Really I think. Mm, I'm not seeing that. I think Tony Storm would be my choice. I think she's an amazing talent, uh, and I'm starting to see it. I it took me a while, but I'm starting to see what people were talking about 
Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan now. Um, so yeah. FTR and the Bucks, we talked about Punk versus Joe. I guess their fifth match, they could call it. Um, I mean, I guess Punk is going to go over in front of everybody. I I don't know, honestly. I I think Punk. I would. Yeah, I would. You would have to think. You would have to think. So MJF and Cole, we've talked about, and then there's Stadium Stampede with that mess of people, Jericho and Osprey. It's not even worth to make a prediction for this one. Bullet Club I Gold versus Osprey. Osprey wins that. I think. <laughs> yeah, okay. it could... I'll, go, I'll go along with that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but uh, Golden Elite and Bullet Club Gold that could that could steal the show. Actually, that could be a really good match. I don't know who's going to win, though. I guess I'll, I'll go with the baby faces for that one. I'm going to go with Bullet Club, and I think they run it back the week later. Because mm. I think they're using this, this six-man to set up potentially at least one singles match at All Out, which will be Omega versus Takeshita. So I'm thinking that probably the, the heels go over on this. But that's just a guess on my part. And on the Not last one book so far – oh, sorry, Vlad. Did you have a guess or – uh, for that one, um, no, I mean, it could, what Brian said made sense. So, I mean, it could be right. That could be right. I, I, that one could go either way. Yeah. And then the last one is the Sting and Darby one against uh, Swerve yeah. and AR Fox, which I think is definitely going to be a sw- uh, Sting victory in grandiose yeah. fashion. Yeah. For, sure. for sure. For sure. For sure. So, yeah. no Danielson. I don't think Sting's flying to, uh, to the UK to lose in front of 90,000 people. Shit. <laughs> no. Uh, Danielson's out. Would have been nice yeah. to have him for this big show. No trios titles, not worth it. No TBS title, Chris Statlander, no Christian, no Hook, no Jack Perry, no Ricky Starks so far. Mat- match- I- matches are still going to be made. I-, 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 I have, I just knowing Tony Khan, like this is, he's not done. There will be some matches added. Whether it's one, maybe two, but I don't think he's done with the card yet, but just my thought on the matter. All right, you would think that Jack Perry and Hook would be involved just based on the fact that they're two of their younger talents and they want to showcase them. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. like you Brian said, they do have that pay-per-view a week after and stuff. So, yeah. you know, they could save true, some yeah. of it. Yeah. Like Miro, Miro, Hobbs. These are other guys that have been yeah. uh, in angles. So, all right. Um you know, I'm off that Sunday. I don't know where you guys are going to watch this, but I'm. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, like, where are you guys watching this? Because uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely checking it out. Obviously, You're, I mean, Sunday afternoon. So we're gonna, we're gonna get drunk by five oh, right. p.m. here. We're in America oh, wow. for our international people. So this is in England. So it's, the show starts at noon for us. Noon to five. Oh, that's right. PM. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna my w- wake up early. Yeah, we should get together. <laughs> we should get together and watch if, uh, if, if that's possible. I'm sure. I'm really looking yeah, forward we, to it, man. I'm really looking yeah, forward too. to it. This this MJF thing and Adam Cole, it's got us. It's got it's got the grips on me, man. I want to see what happens. All right, so look, we hit yes. the two hour mark. I usually try to make these shows ninety minutes, but I went half an hour over. But I think it was a really good show. I think there'll be stuff on this that we could keep for like the best of show that comes out at the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? Oh, All right, listen, nice. Brian. Thank you so much Yo. for coming on. Uh, you're of welcome. Course. On Thanks for having anytime. me again. 
Oh yeah, dude. Anytime, anytime. Vlad, the wrestling expert, you're the man. The future first inductee into the Malapert Smart Hall of Fame. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Not yet, but future. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought I was already being enshrined. Uh, no, me no. too. I said future. No, no, we're going to have oh, a big future. ceremony. As long as he keeps his nose clean. Like, as long as he doesn't do anything, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, Yeah, as long as really I don't bad. Like, get picked up, picked up by the cops. Go to yeah, yeah exactly. Go then, yeah, you know, I don't want that publicity on my Hall of Fame. Yeah, but of course, of course. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, guys. So the show's going to come out tomorrow. I'll put out clips little by little. I'll send them to you. So thank you so much. You guys make my show possible. Seriously. This is cool. Best time of, of, uh, of my week, honestly. Really. It really is. Life is usually really tough and hard and a lot of work and a lot of responsibility. But this this is nice. This is nice. All right, guys. Uh, this is, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Love you guys. Yeah, definitely. All right. I'll let you go. I mean, I'll see you guys soon. All right. All right. Take care, take guys. Take care, Brian. Yeah, take care.